With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. What is up? Welcome to episode number 305 of On the Corner of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by Mr. Self-Loathing himself, Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? Why am I self-loathing? You got because... a whole tier in here called Y'all Gonna Hate Me. Everyone's gonna oh, hate yeah, me. I know. Okay, that's very fair. <laughs> All right, so that's exactly why you're Mr. Self-Loathing. Get excited for that! You know? Get excited. Yeah, we're gonna debate it. I don't know how I feel. It was... It, I, I, I explained it all on the page about how i didn't like it myself mm. Mm. and i had to do it and i just didn't have an answer so we're gonna get to that that starts at 39 but we're not at 30 oh, it starts yet. at 39 we're not at 39 we're no. at 31 you, you, you guys have been with us we're pumping out two a week i'm gonna skip the preamble go to pl7 check it out check out the player pages if you haven't yet you're a dingus it's got all the information <laughs> you need you turkey go over there and check them out they're absolutely fantastic we got all these sweet stats and we're going to talk about them as we break down players which we're going to do right now with number 31 you know them you love them he wants to be on a baseball team, but he's not right now. And that's Carlos Rodon. Arguably, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Is he arguably the best available pitching for I mean, him? Right he's not better Tim than Kershaw. Kershaw. Well, sure. it depends on what, how healthy we think Kershaw is. Yeah. So, okay. We're, we take a, you and I have had a relationship with Carlos Rodon for quite some time. We have. We have. Was, Isn't that kind of weird? Wasn't this like the first inside information we ever had, or something like yeah. that? Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Because my wife's best friend is Carlos Rodon's cousin, and I was like, "He's coming to the wedding, baby. I'm going to his, and he's coming to mine." That and was here we that was are like now. Spaceballs. That that yeah. relative chain. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. It really oh, yeah. was. We were we were excited about. We we had always been excited about the slider, but then here comes this upped velocity, and now here we. Are, but you also uh, hilariously enough kind of had an interaction i think with his wife at one point on twitter oh, yeah that was <laughs> i'm sure she's wonderful i have never interacted with her outside of this um actually you know what she actually commented in this fantastic article from eric van rehan on valentine's mm-hmm. day i don't know if you guys know this it's wonderful did she comment 
you know, she she wrote her story about her and Rodan. Yeah. Um, mm. Jeff Passan did too, uh, which is amazing. Um, John Means as well. Uh, and and uh, not Ashley, but I think Caroline Means. Um, but uh, anyway, read that on the site. It's about how they found their love of their life through baseball. Jeff Passan mm. is part of it. It's amazing. Check that out from Eric. But yeah, I, I tweeted out that Carlos Rodon's velocity dramatically fell in yeah. a start in September. And I was like, this isn't good because it wasn't <laughs> more at 11. Yeah. And I got an angry tweet back from, from Ashley, which I understand what she was coming from. She's like, oh, no, Carlos is just conserving his energy for the playoffs. Don't worry about this, all that stuff. I was like, all right, if that's the case, then it's still bad for fantasy because that means yeah. he's not throwing harder right now and that's not making him as good. Um, but uh, but that was an interaction. Everyone thought that, like, she, I don't know, she told me off or something like that. I was like, there's nothing bad here. <laughs> but, right, so uh, but why anyway. do you hate his wife? There you go, right? Yeah. <laughs> I No, so, so Carlos Rodon, though, I mean, I was, there are a few guys that I was more enamored with than Carlos Rodon last year when he was throwing 100 at times. Yeah. And I said it before, I'll say it very quickly again. I mean, before this season, before 2021, Carlos Rodon's last three seasons, 93 on the fastball, 91.4 and 93. And all of a sudden he was sitting at times, sitting 97 and 96. Average 95.4 on that heater, 16% swing striker when it was not above seven in previous years. It's absolutely nuts how good his fastball was out of nowhere. And he dominated with it. I mean, he was third in ERA, sixth in whip, fourth in strikeout percentage. It's insane. That's absolutely insane. And here we are at 31. And that guy is theoretically available because of the shoulder injury that happened in, in September. So I'm leaning fast that Carlos Rodon is going to come, you know, sign on a team, come out swinging and look great for like mm-hmm. three months and then it won't be the full five months that we got last year. That's my theory of Carlos Rodon, if I had to guess something. But, hey, maybe, like, you know, you get a, you slow down first, but then you it's like weightlifting. You can do 10 reps today and then 12 tomorrow. I don't know. He, he is very – like, I'm very curious to see what the deal is that he gets, right? Like, mm. is he going to be a guy that a lot of clubs are afraid to touch because of the injury history and therefore he right. gets a one-year prove-it deal? Um right. Is he going to get like a three-year deal and get locked up a little bit? You, you you mentioned this in your article where it's like, as long as he doesn't go to Toronto or Coors, it doesn't really matter. There's no way he's going to go to Coors. Um, right. You have to think that with his pedigree, his injury history, his capability, he is a prime Dodger or Ray. Like if I if I had my way, you would want to see him in a team that's actually probably going to limit his innings a little bit more, as opposed to pushing him out every fifth day. Oh, and then he's very likely going to get injured. You know what I mean? Yeah, that could happen with Rodon. We've seen the Yankees been hinted at it because they need to add something, and it's really Kershaw mm-hmm. or Rodon left, and we kind of thought it'd be Rodon. But honestly, with the Yankees' track record of getting injured guys, that doesn't seem like good just for the prophetic reasons. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, that's not a good, not a bad point about the Rays or the Dodgers uh, signing him at the same time. Uh, it does make me wonder, do we want that where it was like 92 pitches per game last year? And if he goes to the Dodgers or the Rays and you're saying, oh, they'll manage him better. Well, then he's less effective. 
Um, is it a give and take of, okay, you get more effectiveness, but over a longer period of time or you're, you know, you do more in a shorter period of time. I don't know how that's going to work. It's, it's yeah. a real risk take, uh, risk pick. If you want to shoot for that, um, and you already have like two really sturdy guys, then yeah, Carlos Rodon could really be a game changer for you. Cause I mean, he was a deep 10 guy. Yeah. We're deep down the hypothetical rabbit hole. If he does follow that timeline, he's very valuable in a roto. And he's not as valuable right. uh, in in a and in a head to head. You want to know the craziest thing though? His slider and changeup were worse. Um, the the slider slider, slider was oh. a sub sixty percent strike rate, and the changeup was a sub sixty percent strike rate. He really relied on a seventy one percent strike rate on his four seamer because it was that dominant. Now, and this the changeup sub thirty percent O swing and only thirty four percent on the slider. Like we've seen that yeah. slider in 2019 was 21% swing strike rate and 41% O swing. And it wasn't that um, last year. But because the fastball was so dominant, batters, uh, when they did get one to hit, couldn't do it that well. So it, it, it's just as long as he has the fastball, I wouldn't worry too much about those pitches and anything, honestly. Like maybe they could be better. So it'd be definitely fun to see him dominate again. I'm curious to see where he goes to right now. He's the 46th pitcher off the board in NFBC draft since the beginning of January. Mm, um, I, yeah. Rodon's an interesting one. It's a lottery pick, but I get why they're hesitant in NFBC. Yeah, I get it as well. Um, all right, let's move into another guy that we've actually talked about fairly frequently in the past couple of weeks. I think we actually had two podcasts in the past three weeks in which we've broken down this guy and kind of what we're thinking about him. So I don't know if we need to go super in depth, but I want you to talk to me a little about why Zach Gallen is at number 32. Yeah, I wrestled with this a ton. Um, as we've gone over a lot, the fastball is a called strike machine. Uh, the changeup used to be this primo pitch for him and it's fallen off a bit. But all three of his secondaries, changeup, curveball, cutter, were underneath the 60% strike rate last year, and that made Gallon's walk rate go up to 9%. Uh, we want to see that fall down a bit. I hope that one of those pitches really takes shape uh, next year for Gallon, and I think he can soar. I, I love the fact that Gallon is going kind of like 140 or something like that. Mm. And I think that the 430 ERA and 130 whip can be explained by this disjointed season of injuries that... That's why this is the refurbished tier. How healthy is Gallon? There's a higher chance of Gallon being healthy, I think, than Carlos Rodon. And yep. the Diamondbacks will let Gallon go. So I am intrigued. I think there's a redemption arc ready for Zach Gallon, as we are all Gallon gals. Uh, yep. At the same time, it's not, you know, it, it, this is the weird tier of some, a lot of these guys are going to hit, but some of them are going to miss, and one could be Gallon. He. I think it is worth noting, and it's good news, that at least the fastball actually performed well over the course of the season. It wasn't terrible. Um, mm. But, you know, obviously you want to be able to have his secondary pitches, but there's a silver lining there. It's not like he lost everything. He still has that foundation of the fastball, which I think is exciting. Moving on and keeping in this theme of guys who are like, all right, <laughs> okay, uh, is uh, is number 33, and that's Justin Verlander. I mean, I, I can hardly hesitate to think of a guy whose stock might or whose value, whatever, might change more based off a of spring training result, right? If someone can't, if he was like, hey, guess what? He's at 95, 96 on the gun, and it's the first day of spring training. Everyone's like, here we go. Let's do it. He's top right. 10. But here he is now at 33. So talk to me a little bit about him. Yeah, that, you hit it. If he's sitting 95, if if Justin Verlander is sitting 95 with his fastball, I'd feel totally confident with it. Uh, when he came back and and 
I you know, changed everything again. Uh, we're talking a slider at a quarter of the time, fastball 50% of the time, and that curveball that used to be the big pitch of Justin Verlander, eh, it's more of a called strike pitch now, but it does that effectively. Um, and that slider is just absurd. 25% swing strike rate in 2019, uh, um, the last full season of Justin Verlander. 71% strike rate, which is insane uh, for mm. a slider. Uh, one that had 100, uh, 119 in batting average allowed. And I mean, you guys know how good Justin Verlander is then. So if the fastball is back to its velocity, um, maybe there's some command issues. But if it has a velocity, then I would also assume that the slider is going to return to somewhat of its form. Maybe not the 25% swing strike rate, but even if it's the 20% from 2018, that should be just fine. Uh, And I'd be really excited about Verlander. But yeah, we don't know if it's not there. If it's like 93, it's not that Justin Verlander is a bad pitcher, though. Yeah, and that that has me in some ways wanting to push him above Carlos Rodon, because are we are we thinking that Verlander all of a sudden after Tommy John can't be effective at all? I don't know if I'm quite there, but I think I had two spots lower because like you know what I've made these assumptions before with Corey Kluber and Jameson Tyone, and I need to temper it a, a, just slightly, just a touch. Yeah, so I put him I at mean, thirty-three. I I don't like we've seen dips in velocity from him correlate to poor performance before, right? Before he like kind of reconfigured himself. We've seen this. So, you know, it, it, it could. It's like you said. It's like you said earlier with, with Zach Allen or even with um with Carlos Rodon. It's like these are the guys who could theoretically kind of I don't want to say make or break you because you're still pretty early in your draft when this is happening. But like I can I hate saying it too because I know we're supposed to be kind of a authoritative and say our way, but you can definitely see worlds in which Justin Verlander is dominant and where we're just like, mm, actually, he's really close to forty. Be foolish for us to say that he's a. You know, he, we know what's going to happen. Of course, we don't. Foolish. No idea. I say, what do you make of us <laughs> fools? Um, the next guy on the list at number thirty-four is is kind of bittersweet, right? It's Pablo Lopez, mm. and we saw a lot of great success from him last year because wow. yeah, we saw that was the necessary. The, yeah, of course. We saw the we saw the the career best uh, ERA, right? We saw the three hundred seven ERA. We mm. saw the three twenty nine FIP. That's what we knew he could be. Um, but then we only saw one hundred and two and two thirds innings because he was dealing with a slew of injuries, and now. That's, I mean, okay, so last season we count out in 2020. 2019, we can't. There was some injury there. 2018 was when he got called up, so you can't give that a full season as well. But it's starting to become apparent that Pablo Lopez is never going to be a guy who can get you 170, 180. Yeah, it's, uh, I hope that changes this year. The the question is a shoulder that has appeared a lot uh, through his career, uh, that shoulder injury. At the same time, last year through those 102 innings, 21% 21% uh, hard hit per plate appearance, which would be 19th, actually is 19th in the majors, which is really nice uh, to see. Uh, 27% striker rate, 307 ERA, uh, 113 whip. Like, it's all good. Um, the The approach is interesting. Um, it's a changeup that wasn't as, like, we've seen it be like a 25% strikeout rate for, or, or sorry, swing strike rate for at times. But Pablo Lopez's changeup is normalized to be like an 18, 19% swing strike rate pitch, which is good. But it might surprise a lot of you that it has constantly under 30% CSWs, but he gets Mm. a lot of strikes with it. Uh, High O swing, 49% last year, which is insanely good. Uh, 37% zone rate. Um, Not the best averages. Like, it's not this absurd 120 batting average allowed or something. It's 236 last year. And 
Uh, it looks like over his career, it's around two, yeah, two twenty, two thirty. Um, but still really good. Throws it a third of the time. Four seamer became a whiff pitch in twenty twenty. Was a fifteen percent swing strike rate then, which I didn't realize. But at twelve percent last year, thirty four percent CSW. That was the biggest improvement in my eye. Was the command of the heater was just better. And, just one eye. Uh, in my eye, yes, not in my eyes. I, I I look at guys squinting with my left eye closed <laughs> yeah, as yeah, I peer yeah. at the TV and go. Hmm. Nick opened his eyes once <laughs> for a Chris Tillman start, and that was it. And he hasn't opened both since. Can't spell win with Tillman fast. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, the four seamer, uh, just overall being this great called strike pitch, and he has a cutter and a sinker as well. The cutter has tried to be this uh nullifier and it was not that great it just kind of was at times as a zone right pitch like trying to get some strikes 66 percent of the time but it was it was okay the main question is the sinker um which at times actually has some whiffs 11 10 to 11 percent swing strike rate for pablo lopez last year on a sinker but it got hit really hard um x average mm-hmm. of 279 318 overall a uh, wobe of 388 that's not great um, but only a 21% hard hit per plate appearance. So maybe that comes down. Maybe there is hope for that sinker with a 38% uh, O swing, which is really, really nice. Maybe he's just got to put that uh, or get a little bit more consistent with that. But I guess what I'm getting at, Pablo Lopez does not have a breaking ball that truly matters. The curveball never really has been that thing. Just an O swing of 16%, which is not good. Um, he doesn't go to and- it. 44% strike rate, too. It's just not consistent enough. Only 10% usage. So it's going to be fastballs in this changeup for the most part. Sometimes these cutters. It's worked because of how good that changeup is and the command of the four-seamer and the surprise sinker and sometimes the cutter is okay. I don't know if I truly bought it during the year that he was a 307-113. I actually distinctly remember in early August when they were both still starting, Sandy Alcatar and Pablo Lopez. And I put Sandy above Pablo even though Mm. everything looks better for Pablo just because I didn't think the stuff was as good as Sandy's. Um, And that's still kind of the concern a little bit that there is something to fall back here from Pablo. But the 113 whip, I think, can get worse. And then there's, of course, the shoulder injury. um, That is was terrifying. But then he threw harder in the one game he came back on that uh, on that Sunday. The final day of the year, Pablo Lopez was throwing harder. And I don't just mean like a little bit harder. I mean a lot harder. Instead of 93 in the previous game, there's someone 95.6. Uh, so maybe there's something to that increased velocity, 95.6 versus the uh, 94 for the entire year. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he felt maybe. good all of a sudden. But I'm I'm cautious to go after Pablo Lopez. I think there are too few innings in there at the moment, and there's also a little bit room for regression. Yeah, there's just a lot of tiny little red flags, which stinks, right? I mean, I think you just kind of summated it perfectly, but just a quick recap of them. Yeah, just like a little room with a bunch of cheeses and tiny tiny little red flags. Exactly. (laughs) Like just to summate them. So then we have we have an innings concern. We have no true breaker, which isn't the biggest deal in the world, but like really one pitch that he's relying on swings and misses for, right? Which is the yeah. changeup, which I think is, is a very underrated changeup in the sport. I, I I really love his changeup, but there really isn't anything else there. So that kind of makes the K rate and the swinging strike percentage last year seem a little bit smoke and mirrors and something that would have fallen back down to the 10% um, average that he has or around that if you would have gotten maybe a larger sample to go with it right yeah um, there's a, a 301 babbit last year with a, an x babbit of 304 
Um, and I think that's because he's a fastball changeup guy. Uh, yeah, that's that right. It's his career norm, right? Yeah, it's 295 for the last four years. Okay. And you could say, Nick, that's totally fine. He still had a 113 whip with that because of the low walk rate. Very true. I do wonder if he can keep that sub eight hit per nine um, with that high of a BABIP over time. We'll see. We will see. We'll also see about this next guy who's a three paragraph boy in the write up because you have plenty to say about him <laughs> because there has been a lot of helium. Yeah. People are ready to kind of crown Dylan Cease, the the Cy Young of this year. They are really ready to go. <laughs> You're taking a little bit more of a conservative approach here on Dylan Cease coming in at number 35. Why is that? There is a long rant to be had that I've had a lot already. Um Dylan Cease, I think he's good. He's clearly someone that should be drafted. I'm putting him at 35 or something, right? Like, this is not or something. He is 35, I think. Yeah. So, I still like him. And it would be down to draft Dylan Cease. I'm just surprised that I've seen him go, like, where Alec Manoa is. And Manoa, to me, is more of a finished product. Dylan Cease is not done yet. Uh, maybe it's this year. Maybe he does take another step. Because you remember from 2020, he was really bad. 401 mm. ERA with a 145 whip and a 17% strikeout rate. And what happened, Nick, in 2021 that changed Dylan Cease? Well, the ERA was actually only 10 points better, just so you don't forget. And 20 points on the whip. It was a 391 ERA and a 125 whip. Don't forget that. That's not terrible, but it's not great. And it was because the slider was way better. He commanded it super, super, super well. 22% swing strike rate on it. Uh, 39% CSW. Uh, but everything else still wasn't commanded well. His fastball command is not good. Just a 25% CSW on it. X average of 289 and X WOBA of 393 on mm. his four-seamer. Dylan sees has got to fix that one. And then his curveball is only a 56% strike rate. Not a consistent offering. Um, to be used 15% of the time. The changeup just doesn't really show up much at all, 54% strike rate. So it's really just the slider yeah. that isn't enough on its own and needs the fastball or the curveball to be working on a given night. And we saw this through the year. I call them the premium cherry bomb because from one day he goes 2.2 innings of 700 runs to the next game going five innings of zero and runs and 10 strikeouts. It, it's just what he does. He goes back and forth doing this. And, as a, and, and drafting him aggressively, to me, is saying that you believe he's going to get even better than this. Because also, if you see like 166 innings and you think, oh, cool, he's young, he's going to get more innings next year. He needed 32 starts to do that. Mm. Cease was not not an efficient pitcher. It's just not what he did. He needed 92 pitches per game to go under six innings per start. Uh, I'm not even under six, like closer to five, 5.2 um, I uh, innings per game, which is 5.2 out of 10, not out of you know three. So that's not good. <laughs> I, I wonder if Dylan Cease can actually take that next step. And the idea that, oh, no, I think Cease is going to get better. Uh, maybe his slider just gets worse, <laughs> right? It wasn't as good the previous year, too. I'm not going to completely rule that out either. I'm not believing that, but I'm not going to. You know, really out of the possible outcome. So for me, there's just too much, too much assumption of the of the ascension of Dylan Cease for me to get him in drafts. But hey, I would like to take a chance if I can. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We're talking about the 
a top 10 worst fastball in baseball by Woba. And when a guy is throwing a pitch a thousand times and over a thousand times and his Woba on his fastball on that pitch is next to Chris Paddock's (laughs) and Andrew Heaney's. I thought you were about and, to say Chris Tillman. <laughs> no, no, I'm not bringing him back into it. And and Mitch Keller's like that. That's not that scares me a lot, yeah. right? And, and especially when that's his foundational pitch. I mean, there are exciting things about him. Every other pitch had a woba under 250, and that's really impressive. Every pitch in in his repertoire had a swing strike rate over 10. percent That's very exciting, including that four seamer. Right. So there is this four seamer. Yeah, so there's there's uh, uh, there's a a risk and reward there that's kind of inherent, and something's got to give there. Um, I I don't know. I to me, I haven't made up my mind on him yet, but like that that scares me a little bit to see. Like Ow. I think foundational fastballs are big, and he doesn't have that. The one thing that I've in all my month of ranting about Dylan Cease um, that I I, I do want to acknowledge is I understand in NFBC why he's being pushed up so much because despite all this, he still had 226 strikeouts last year. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone who's taken like Max Freed and you've taken, maybe you can even make an argument that Sandy Alcantara in his 24% K rate, there's some worry that he won't go too much higher on that. Uh, and you're saying, you know what? I, need, I just need strikeout volume. Cease could do that. Cease can, will likely be over 200 strikeouts again. I just don't want to do that with the with the ratios, and I I see other guys that can push this too. Because yeah, thirty two percent strikeout rate is nothing to ignore, um, and he'll likely hint around thirty percent again, given how good yeah. that slider is. Uh, the next guy on the list is someone we mentioned a little bit earlier. What we we're saying he was arguably the best uh, free agent on the market, and he probably is the best free agent still available, despite the fact that he had the worst ERA uh, of his entire career, all the way, well, second worst ERA of his career, worst since 2008, <laughs> which is crazy that there's not a one in front of the last number, that the penultimate number is a one. That's how long he's been pitching. And that's Clayton Kershaw. He had an interesting approach last year where he said, you know what? We're going slider, and I'm doing it a lot. Uh, he actually had the second highest slider usage in all of baseball, top six, I think, and since 2008. He went to it, and he went to it a plenty. We don't know where he ends up. You have to feel he ends his career in Dodger blue, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe he goes to another team with a little blue in the Texas Rangers. How are you feeling about Clayton Kershaw? I uh, I mean, the slider, slider that you threw about 50% of the time had a 49% O-swing, a 44% zone rate, and a 27% swing strike rate. Yes, Clayton Kershaw has legit, like, Bitcoin money pitch. It's insane how good that is. Um, and it's kind of nuts. When you see guys use pitches more often, it's not always a given that he'll have the same results from them. You know, he's changing approaches, and guys adjust to that often. <laughs> nope, he... High swing strike rate, uh, I think we've seen on that slider. So that's absolutely nuts from Kershaw. Um, the four seamer we got, you know, really upset about the reduced velocity in 2018 and then 19 at only 90 miles per hour, pumped it up to 91 to 92 in 2020, and it was just under 91 in uh, 2021. Not really what we wanted to see out of it. It got hit a lot harder 
291 batting average allowed, 349 expected average ex- exit of 418, which is crazy. I uh, you gotta think that that has to get fixed a little bit for Kershaw. Um, while the curveball is still this solid but not elite pitch, I know we like to think of that Kershaw uh, Kershaw curveball as this elite offering. Results wise, yes, as far as like low averages, but only a 54% strike rate actually. Not as dependable as we normally see on that uh, Kershaw curveball. 29% CSW, just failing to hit that 30% mark. I'll say this. The question is the health. Is his elbow okay? It's not the back anymore. Because the back was like, oh, okay, he'll be fine when he pitches. But when the back stops him to whatever. No, now it's an elbow. That's not cool. But he still had a 30% strikeout rate. A 102 whip despite all this. Uh, and a near 18% swing strike rate because of how often you threw that slider, which is fourth in the majors. Crazy. Uh, I hope he's okay. If he's okay and the Dodgers sign him and someone signs him, to go, yeah, we're going to give him a lot of money. Yeah, you like to think that Kershaw can totally just dominate. Um, so it, we just don't know right now. The lockout is here. We haven't had any, any news whatsoever. Uh, and, I mean, like Verlander, We'll see where Kershaw is in the spring. If he's just pumping 90-91 comfortably, then yeah, everything should be fine. Everything. That's what we're hoping. That's what we're hoping to see. We got four more guys on the list. Who will they be? Well, you'll find out right after this ad break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Ah, death taxes. Lance McCullers sadly being an injury risk. We love you, Lance. We had a great episode of of talking pitching where yes, we were we able did. to sit back and talk with you, and you were awesome. And all we want to do is give you all the health in the world. That's all we want. We want you pitching all the time. But we can't deny uh, that you might not be a two hundred innings pitched guy, and I imagine that that's why Lance McCullers is down here at thirty seven. Yeah, it stinks. I will also mention that. His whip in the last three seasons. Uh, Pre-Tommy John 2018 was 117. 2020 was 116. And 2021 was 122. All thanks to a walk rate that is not underneath 8%. It was 11% last year. So McCullers has to improve on the whip. Um, ERA was 316 though, which is good to see. It's been sub four, but we haven't really seen that magical Lance McCullers season quite yet. 27% K rate. So the strikeouts are there and flowing. It's... It, but I, I, I can't get this out of my head of he talked about in that podcast, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to it, you really have to. It's, he's, he's awesome um, about how he throws a slider. And there are certain games I remember watching where he would go to one or the other a slider or a curveball in a given day really would have both of them. 
and was saying like, well, yeah, some days I don't have my slider and my iPad in the dugout would tell me mm. <laughs> and I would then go to the curveball. And to me, that that just it's essentially an admission of inconsistency. I uh, and that makes me a little uncomfortable as far as I, one on one hand, I'm really excited that he has this slider that he throws like a pizza coming across. And I'm trying to. Oh, I love the, that. I'm trying to ignore all the mechanical stuff about that because you doing that with your pinky going across, you can feel it in your elbow um, as you leave with I your mean, pinky. If it's Brent Strom says it's okay. Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. It's but fine I, with me. Not, not the smoothest of releases. Um, but, I mean, it's, it was a fantastic pitch for McCullers. 145 batting average allowed. 36% CSW. Just, it was great. Curveball, also 35% CSW. 148 average. Um, strike rates were not above 65% in either one of them. And I think that's part of the issue because the sinker, man, it's just not a good offering. 393, sorry, 293 average allowed last year uh, with a wOBA of 373. Uh, it, it just wasn't what we want it to be. And the changeup was not, not consistent at all. Sub 50% strike rate. So I love the two breakers. Um, and they're adding, they're about 50% usage between them. Mm-hmm. I honestly feel that one of them should be like a 40% usage and one of them should be like a 20%. Something like that. Yeah. It's the only way I can kind of grasp this moving forward in the right way. I uh, That's just kind of where I'm at with McCullers because we don't really see. It's just really, it's about avoiding the sinker and the, and the sinker just is not, it just gets crushed. A 37% hard hit percentage last year. Uh, and you gotta, you gotta work in those curveballs and sliders even more. To, to avoid that and that's that's and the fact that you want the changeup to be that too it can maybe can pull away sinkers for changeups those aren't good it's a weird pickle for mccullers and then you also have the injury that we seems like he's ready for opening day seems like that should be fine but it's a track record of of lack of health too so i hope the best for mccullers i hope that the injury is fine he finds more consistent grooves with those and the sinker doesn't get hit as hard all that stuff but it's uh you know uh, we don't know what's going to go on. A few things. One, I think, uh, yeah, maybe sure it's not the magical season overall, but a 3.16 ERA is pretty damn Absolutely. good. Absolutely, The 122 <clears throat> whip isn't what you'd expect, I think. So on that point, too, very good to bring up because Carlos Correa is gone. Um, they, they seem to have a prospect who's going to be plugged in at shortstop. Imagine maybe they're going to make an acquisition because he's always had the benefit of a very good infield defense with uh, to, to keep those BABIPs low because he's a ground ball guy. And when you have Correa and Bregman, that's pretty good. Um, so that could theoretically go in the wrong direction. I don't think you're ever going to see the slider curveball uh percentage up like that because of the way that he uses it with the splits right he's yeah that's he's a great sliders point. to righties and curveballs to lefties that i thought was really interesting like it, it really did kind of and we were dingoes for not bringing that up i mean we talked extensively about how crazy it was that the slider was there and how easily he was able to incorporate it but there was a big paradigm shift i mean there was still a platoon split favoring in 2020 for the curveball to lefties but he threw he threw 13 curveballs to righties last year yeah. That's unbelievable considering how frequently he went to that pitch before. Yeah, just, so I'm seeing right now 50% usage on curveballs to lefties and just an 8% usage on sliders. And I imagine that's completely flipped. Fewer than 100 sliders to lefties last year. Yeah. 
it's interesting. He's got he's got the arsenal. Those pitches both in and of themselves were great. Also, the other thing is no pitcher was unluckier when it came up to came to giving up home runs. Now you can make an argument that that's because he's in he's in um, Minute Maid, and that's yeah, the not going to change. Boxes, of course, as I always call them. Yeah. Uh, then, but there were a few like one in New York that was just ridiculous. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, I remember that? Yeah. <laughs> maybe that keeps happening uh yep. the next guy that we wanted to discuss uh not this is the, he's always going to be very interesting to me uh it isn't as much of as an, uh, a, an injury concern as we've discussed with the past uh, with, with some of the recent guys that we've discussed and that's tyler molly the cincinnati reds got that got that really really good fastball is there anything else that's there sometimes what are you yeah, thinking that, about molly at 38 well, you, you nailed it we can move on now um he's okay. he's lance mccullers without the same ceiling mm-hmm. um like 375 mm-hmm. year last year 123 whip 28 percent strikeout rate now he did do it for 180 innings though and that's the other benefit. So like you can kind of go a little bit more consistent with Molly, but there is, you know, the situation in Cincinnati, uh, the home run problem is still going to be there. Uh, a 16% home run five ball rate last year. Doesn't really seem like it's going to be much different again uh, this year, but that fastball is really good. 34% CSW is excellent. 67% strike rate. Uh, it, it's a great pitch. It's just the slider for Tyler Molly is eh, under a 60% strike rate. He struggles uh, with that slider to do what, you know, to be con- consistently effective. There is a splitter that sometimes shows up. <clears throat> remember mid season, it was doing things. Uh, 17% <laughs> swing strike rate, uh, 62% strike, uh, sorry, 17% swing strike rate, 62% strike rate on it. It was, you know, sub 200 batting average allowed. It's just, with that four seam, he needs like a really good, just one elite secondary to pair with it, and he could soar. Um, but we haven't found it, and it means that there are just some days that Tyler Molly doesn't have enough outside of the fastball. So you're going to probably, this is like the safest fine pick. You know, 375 E-rate could be like a 3.5 theoretically. And that 123 whip could be like a 119 or so. But it could also be a little bit worse, closer to 4. Uh, with the ERA, I don't know if it's going to be a 28% strikeout rate again, mm. uh, but why not? I mean, yeah, like a 30% in 2020. It, it could be something close to that again, considering how good that four-seamer is. So, I mean, he's he's fine. It's just I, I, I'm i kind of, I'm the guy that kind of chases always for like this the three or under ERA kind of guys. Like, I want that absurd ceiling. Um, and Tyler Molly to me, uh, it's not, it's he's like a strikeout. He's like the worst kind of Barrios with a little bit more strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I, I mean, yeah I, was, uh, yeah, I was looking at his last. So funny, his last start was against the Pirates, where he gave up six. He gave up six in like four innings, and that took mm. his three five ERA and brought it up to a three seven five, which is go. a different conversation, right? That's you're going from yeah. a, a mid three to a, a almost a high three ERA kind of guy. Um, so I don't know. I think uh, all these projections are really mean to him. None of them, not one projection has it with under a four ERA. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Which is a little, a little, a little crazy. Um, yeah. really waiting that 2019 with a 5.14 ERA, but that wouldn't surprise me. I think he's just kind of a, he's not going to kill you. Stinks that he's in that ballpark. Who knows if he remains a red, because I, I guess I'm still hearing that they still are thinking about trading some dudes that maybe Sonny Gray could still be on the move or something like that. Hopefully he is. You talk about guys that um, 
could be, you know, drafting guys who could theoretically have that low three ERA uh, ceiling. And the next guy is certainly one of them. Uh, and that is Mike Clevenger returning from Tommy John's surgery. Another guy that we discussed, uh, I think, a little while ago. Uh, very, I'm personally very excited that he's back with his old assistant pitching coach, who is now the main pitching coach out there in San Diego. But I think a lot of people who have always counted out Mike Clevenger because of his violent mechanics are not going to be happy when they look at his Instagram page to see that those are still very, very present, <laughs> uh, that he is the same man he was before he, he, he got injured. What are you thinking about Mike Clevenger? Well, first I want to think, uh, I want to ask you rather, how do you feel about tier 5.5? Oh yeah, I just kind of bro- I just breezed yeah, right that did. one, right? So yeah. this is this is the whole theme of it too, which is tier five and a half, which I think is pataki. Um <laughs> uh y'all are just gonna hate me for this. That's ridiculous. <laughs> we can't we can't keep letting him get away with this, y'all. Okay. Why and not? We demand, we demand an only fan account, okay? Because there are oh dozens of us. How there many are dozens? How many okay? someone else on Twitter going for it? Someone every time I get a Three. response after our podcast, every time I get at least one no. response after the podcast, I'll bring it up. So you guys, the clock starts today. <laughs> it's Tuesday at 755 Pacific, eleven o'clock Eastern about. If I get one more tweet about OnlyFans, it means I can bring it up and going next out podcast. Thursday fast. Okay, great. It's Thursday. You have until Monday. Uh, if I get one more tweet about OnlyFans, we'll keep the streak alive, baby. Oh, no. Oh, don't do this to me. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm just so observant of our readers and users that I knew y'all would hate me. Like, this is, I, I understand your your strife and your anger. I don't, I, I mean, tell me what I should have done fast. If, you, if you're so upset. Make it tier six. I- Make it tier oh, six oh, or put oh, him in tier five. Oh, that's why you're upset. Yeah. Oh, you're not upset at the ranking. No. Oh. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. I'm fine. Yeah, I'll just keep him tier five. I just think want to acknowledge. Gradients. I just gradients, want... Nick. <laughs> well, somebody <laughs> please, please think of the gradients. <laughs> oh, I, I. that's what you're upset about? I mean, yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll make it yeah, tier five. Dingus. No, but I felt that there was a grouping here. And that's what it was about. It was like there's these three guys that are are different than the others, but it's not really like a different ranking. They they fit the same thing, but it's just a you know they're a bubble inside of the circle. That's all. And I just want to acknowledge. I wanted to have a whole thing that acknowledged all three of them. I ain't got no problem with the bubbles. We did it. We all did it last year. <laughs> we all grouped Severino, Sale, uh, Thor, and uh, I well, think that was pre- that was like October. Yeah. No, but we grouped them. No, we grouped them at the beginning of last year, too. At the beginning in March, we all everyone had them in groups. You and me, I think both had them together in groups. Uh, That sounds right. Yeah, because we didn't know when they return and all that kind of thing. But where does it end, Nick, when you're opening up the five and a half tiers? And next thing we know, we're all sitting by where we get tier 3.18. Where we get the Fibonacci tier. If you're angry at somebody, if you're angry at somebody, be angry at Gray Albright. Okay. Why? Because I'm always he, angry at Gray Albright. <laughs> because he introduced the the many tiers of his rankings, mm. and then I, you know, I I've I've read that for ages. Uh, many tiers like, is what I get. He when had I read many tiers, and that's what this is. This is a many tier. I love Gray. For those who I, don't I know, do I too. love Gray. We just and, no, I love him more. And I, 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 I want to, you know, I want to openly apologize that I'm supposed to be in Razzlam and I didn't click Go. the link. 
uh, to join NFBC because it was right before PitchCon and I was getting everything done and I saw the email said, hey, you're signed up for Razzball and I just stopped reading the email and I didn't click the giant join Razzlam here link. And so I looked today, I was like, oh, what league am I in? And I wasn't in one. And because I didn't click that stupid link, and I'm, I feel terrible. Do you think we could just be in Razzlam? Do you think we could just pepper drowning pools, let the bodies hit the floor throughout the podcast every once in a while? Why would you do that? Why is that what you want to do? I don't know. Just every once in a while, just let just let that song play. Did you? This is like when my dad gave a speech to my to my sister when she was like four years old about like, hey, Mm -hmm. this is why we don't touch the stove. And really thought she like reached him or sorry reached her because you know she's watching it intently. Then when he stops talking, she says, "Do fish have noses?" (laughs) <laughs> see now how much better would that clip be if you played drowning pools let the bodies hit the floor underneath it's like you never talk listen to me, to me. <laughs> talk to me about do fishes have nuts talk to me about mike clevenger why he's here not the tear do, tell me why do he's you here. know fast if fishes do, have noses do fishes do fishes have noses i would think so yeah they have nostrils right but do they have a nose one nothing wrong with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, so Mike Clevenger, <laughs> um, I I really didn't know what to do with this. This is the problem I have at this point in the draft because this is I think more so than ever, um, really dependent on what you're doing with your draft. So like tier six, as we'll talk about in the next podcast, contains a lot of safer options that are bordering a toby but not they're a, a step above like you have your marcus stroman in there and your framber valdez and chris bassett and whatnot and i the way that i was grouping all of these because like this is tier the refurbished like these are the guys with you know that they could potentially be aces but they aren't they there there's something questionable about them for next year but all of tier six none of them have that uh so mm-hmm. i felt like i should group them all together but then you have these three of Clevenger, Severino, and Otani that they could theoretically all be aces, but should they really be drafted before tier six? I, I don't really know that answer. And I couldn't really stick them after all of tier six because I wouldn't, I would draft Clevenger above Stroman, but I can't stick him in that tier though. Mm. And I, I, I wrestled with this endlessly. So eventually I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to stick these three guys above it. I'm probably not drafting Clevenger always at the 39th guy off the board. Same with like Severino because I, I mean, I think you can get them a little bit later, yeah. but in my heart, I want to put them here for that reason. And I, I articulated all this inside of it and to say like, make sure you're making the right choice of what your situation is. But anyway, Clevenger, the dude has been amazing. <laughs> and I just come back from Tommy John. He's seems like he's all prepared to go. We'll have more information on it, just like with Verlander. The second we see him, you know, just at camp and looking good, like he had a 95 mile per hour fastball in the past. Okay. So if he's at 95, everything's great. Um, slider and curveball are both excellent. Actually, the slider is really the excellent one. The curveball isn't not, not so much. Um, and I'm excited to see it. The Padres are going to let him fly, I think, for a lot. So I, uh, I want in. He's, uh, his career ERA is 3.19, and in the three years he's thrown over 100 innings, he's never had an ERA over 3.12. Uh, 
and, and I just think he's people never had a whip that. over one to twenty. Like it was one seven, one sixteen, one oh six, one seventeen. Strikeout rates, uh, twenty six percent, thirty four percent, twenty five percent. Like, I think he's just really, really good. You know, he's we had him good. in our top ten before he had Tommy John. Yeah, all about him. Um, Fishes, you really threw me down the rabbit hole. They do have, <laughs> they do have, they have noses. noses. They have noses. Okay. Yeah. And that's and they smell it like just thinking about a fish smelling underwater just really kind of blows my mind. Like go in the shower and smell like go in the shower and cup your hands with water and try and breathe. Uh, Why would I do uh, that? Don't do that. that. Just sounds like pain. Uh, it's crazy. Fishes can smell that. Wait, um, what was that accent you just said for that's It's crazy. crazy. <laughs> I, you're lucky I made it through your entire Mike Clevenger breakdown without dying because you added like six C's and K's to theoretically. You're like, <laughs> it was good. Uh, so theoretically, 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 um, talk to me to then about that. why Luis Severino uh is right behind Clevenger's they're very similar I understand the tier that they're in I understand they're very similar yeah Luis Severino already has one or two innings under his belt already starting to come back a little bit last year but you still buy Clevenger long term I mean 18 innings since the end of 2018 for for Severino that's you know it's it's a bigger risk I think the ultimate ceiling is higher for Severino Mm -hmm. for 2022 because I think the Yankees are going to be like, dude, we need you um, a little bit more than the Padres will. So in that way, I mean, we saw in 2018, 339 ERA with a 294 FIP in that time, 115 whip and a 28% K rate for the Yankees in across 191 innings. Uh, Severino slider is fantastic. At least it was. Um, 18% swing strike rate, uh, 34% CSW, all the things that you want. Four seamer, seventy-two percent strike rate that year, thirty-one percent CSW. I mean, it's all wonderful. It's just, how much are we going to get out of him? Is this actually the year where he's healthy? Like, actually, yeah. actually, I don't know. Um, he came back. He was through ninety-five in those six innings across four relief appearances, not the ninety-seven to ninety-eight from two thousand eighteen. But you know, like the case I've heard about Shane Bieber is that maybe he's just kind of easing it in. There's nothing, no rush. Uh, so we'll see what we get from Severino. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like you said, the upside just so there and it is a really difficult decision. I guess if I was choosing between those two, I probably would, uh, you know me, I always love my Clevenger. It's tough for me. I'm going to go Clevenger just because of the injury. It's just one for Clevenger in this way. I mean, yeah, there has been other things, but it just seems like Severino that he might be a little too hurt to get back to that lead velocity. I'm with you. Um, Nick, we did it. We did. Uh, under 50 minutes. Under 50 you. minutes. I know. And and I think we I think we can say you actually did blow it. You did not say we're going to go a little bit long in this podcast. Because we weren't. Because um, we didn't. Oh, that's okay. why. All right. That's fine. All right. That's fine. You know? That's fine. I totally forgot. That's fine. I absolutely forgot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, all right. That is going to do it then for episode number 305 of On the Court of the Official Pitchless.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk about noses next week.